say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Edward October, host of October Pod on YouTube. Hear that jingle jingle? It could be Kris Kringle. Or a home invader looking for an open window. A jilted lover looking for revenge. Or a disgruntled co-worker hoping to spike your eggnog with arsenic. The girls of our true crime podcast are always on Santa's nice list, but the crimes they discuss are very naughty indeed. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, Jen. Happy hey. day nine. Nine. Can you believe nine. it? It's nine. It's nine. It's almost nine. Almost. We're getting there. We're getting there. We are almost there. And for us, that's pretty good because it's, hope, you know. Uh-huh. I hope everybody's enjoying their holiday season, taking enough time out to relax and, and enjoy their family. Well, as much as you can enjoy your family <laughs> during the holidays, yeah, yes, yes. But until then, we have we hope you are enjoying listening to your twelve nightmares before mm-hmm. Christmas. At least you can smile and wave to the family as they're getting on your nerves, and you're Just listening here and plugs to murder, yeah, mm-hmm. or earbuds, not plugs. You could do your earplugs too. You do whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Either one would work. Let's you be do honest. you. Yeah. That's right. Today, we are going to Alaska, the last frontier. It's a place of stunning beauty and rugged wilderness. It is an outdoorsman's paradise with plenty of big game to hunt and fish to catch. It is also a place where people disappear, some because they want to drop out of the fast-paced rat race, and Mm -hmm. some not by choice. Mm -hmm. They get a little help, not from friends. That's right. It is April 29th, 1984, when Roger Culp goes missing from Hopkinsville. Now, Roger was last seen in the company of a newcomer to the area, a 25-year-old man by the name of Michael Silka. Officers head out to Michael's remote cabin to see if they can question him about Roger, see if he's seen him, talk to him, anything like that. As soon as they arrive, they notice what looks like blood outside the cabin. As they approach the door, a man comes out and identifies himself as Michael. He tells the troopers that the blood was actually from a moose he recently killed, and he was outside skinning the animal. 
earlier. Michael tells them that he hasn't seen Roger since Roger swung by for a quick visit. Content with the explanation, officers thank him, and they leave. They exit the cabin and go on with their day. Okay. After days turn into weeks, a witness comes forward to report that on the day Roger went missing, she and Roger were actually outside chopping wood outside of Roger's cabin. She would tell police that they were out there chopping, chopping wood. And, you know, it's quite noisy because it is if you're chopping wood. Mm -hmm. As they were working, the neighbor, who was Michael, came by and he was clearly agitated. He was angry and he was carrying a rifle. Now, Michael, perhaps upset about the noise, began throwing logs around and then marched off like a big baby. So Mm -hmm. Roger went after him and ended up following Michael all the way back to his cabin. Moments later, the woman, the witness, heard shots ring out. Scared for her life, she goes inside her own cabin and locks herself in, fearful that she may be next. Now, Hopkinsville, by the way, is so remote that they don't even have phone service. So she wasn't even able to call the police and tell them that. So scared, she just laid low and didn't do anything, which I know. Yeah. So say what? I get it. With this new information, troopers issue a warrant to search Michael Silka's cabin on May 8th. They arrive to an abandoned home. Hmm. Michael is gone and Roger Culp is missing. However, during this visit, the snow had melted and what was once blood drops were now much more. It was clear that something had happened at the cabin and judging from the amount of blood, it was not good. Samples of the blood were sent to the state lab, and on May 16th, it was confirmed. The blood did not belong to a moose, but to a human. This is just the beginning, Jen. It's May 17th, 1984, when Joe McVeigh and his friend Dale Medjeski go right outside of town, where they're planning to launch their boat for a day on the river. Now, the boys just kind of wanted to have some fun, go fishing. It is Alaska, and it's May, so the ice is breaking up in the river. It's allowing them to get out and, you know, kind of enjoy the outdoors and do the hunting and fishing and things like that that they enjoyed. The men are from Manly Hot Springs, Alaska. And this is a huge, gen, sprawling metropolis of about 89 people. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's huge. The Manly Roadhouse, built in 1910, remains the only restaurant and hotel in the area. Manly saw its heyday back in the gold mining days. It's located about 150 miles from Fairbanks. The town sits on the Tanana River, which is a hot spot or was a hot spot for gold in 1910. It has since declined, and only those familiar with the area are the ones who usually come to visit with 89 people. Pretty much means you have to be related to somebody, I'd think. Mm-hmm. Or you're just you're from that area. The men were excited as spring had arrived, and since the river had become unfrozen, they were going to do what they love to do best, which is woohoo, fish, right? The fishermen. They were scheduled to arrive in the mid-afternoon back home. When that time came and went, their wives, who were waiting for them, became concerned. They decided to drive down to the landing to see what could be holding them up. Maybe they're having a little fun. Maybe they ran into somebody that they knew. As they arrive to the area, they see the truck with the boat still on the back, meaning either they had went out to the river and had already come back, or they didn't 
ever even make it into the river. They also recognize another vehicle parked at the dock. It belongs to a man named Albert Hagen. As they look around the area, they immediately become alarmed. Looking inside the truck, they see all the items the men had taken for their day of fun, including beer. Now, the women think perhaps, you know, maybe they met up with Albert and they changed their mind. Maybe they went for a hike. Maybe they went with Albert. They don't know, but they know it looks something's amiss. When night came and went, and by noon the next day, there were no signs of the missing men. Family members gathered together to try to find out a game plan of locating the men. They were going to do a little search party. As they are talking, it becomes clear that Albert, Joe, and Dale are not the only ones that have recently went missing from Manly. Now, Jen, you got to remember, this is a town of 89 people. Albert, Joe, and Dale. That's three out of 89 are missing. Yeah. Now, it kind of makes a big difference. Right? They add to the list a man by the name of Lyman Klein and his pregnant wife and their young son had set out the day prior to this on their ATVs to venture down to the riverbank. No one had heard from them since. Friends went to their house to check on them, knowing that they had a dog that they adored and would never leave the dog behind. When they arrived, they immediately knew something was wrong. The dog was outside, didn't have food and water. Had been there for, you know, all night. Mm -hmm. Back at the boat dock, they scrambled to find their missing friends. This time, there was another car at the site. The car belonged to a man who had just come to town and had been camping Riverside. He, just like the others, is also missing. A member of the search party writes the license plate number down, and when she phones police to give them the plate number, she learns authorities are looking for the owner of this vehicle as well, and it is none other than Michael Silka. Hmm. Now, a little bit about Michael. Michael Silka grew up in Illinois in a little community called Hoffman Estates. He grew up loving firearms in the outdoors, all that sort of military-ish information. Sounds about right for the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Right. In 1975, he and another person were apprehended because they were trying to steal some gear and weapons from a sporting goods store. Teenagers. Mm -hmm. But that same year, Michael and his brother, Steve, would run away and they would escape to the Canadian wilderness. You know, they had the grandiose ideas of being survivalist, but, you know, they're kids, so I don't think so. It's a lot harder to survive when you're a teenager. <laughs> it's just harder to survive, period. I watch all those shows. I could never do it. I wouldn't last a night. You know what a chicken I am? Oh. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. So back at home, Michael is arrested another time, this time for carrying a muzzle-loading rifle. And this is sort of the, this is an old-fashioned rifle, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, He's arrested again for the same offenses again later that year. He's convicted and he has a small fine. Okay, what's a good thing that a young man can do and hopefully straighten him out? He enlists in the army. Now, he was typically referred to as a good kid. He loved, he was an outdoorsman and he enjoyed being in the military. He really did. And he was honorably discharged at the end of his service. What for? No, honorably. He was. Oh, so when he was. Uh, yeah, he was. He, he, he filled his duty time and then they said, there you okay. Go. Yeah. When he was in the army, he did fancy himself an expert marksman, sort of mm-hmm. like a sniper. He really 
pretty much got that down. He was pretty good with that kind of stuff. After he was discharged from the army, he went back to Illinois for a little while. That didn't work out so much. He didn't really want to do the regular thing. And I I know for a lot of people in the military, it's a hard get back to civilian life because you're used to, I don't know, it's a different kind of life. I think especially if you live in a small town, Mm -hmm. going back to a small town after you've been away is pretty hard. So he uh, he was not doing too well, and he was arrested once again on a weapons violation. This time he made bond, and he decided to skip town, and he fled to Alaska. What? So a warrant for his arrest was issued in December, and according to his brother, he enjoyed Alaska, and he wanted to stay there. But he didn't really know what his brother was doing up there. Not good things, buddy, that's for <laughs> sure. Doesn't sound like it. So it's now clear that the man that we know as Michael Selka is in Manly Hot Springs and police need to talk to him. The problem is officers are hours away because remember, in a town of 89, you're not exactly Mm -hmm. going to have a great big police department. So until then, the good people of Manly, basically, they're on their own. It's going to be a full day before officers can even arrive to the area. Until then, all they can do is remain in place, armed and hope that the killer stays away. The yeah, killer... I'm pretty sure the men in that town are pretty self-sufficient. I would think so. You have to be. It's Alaska. That's hard. Yeah. No wussies. <laughs> right? <laughs> with the mm-hmm. little red circle with the line through it. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Early on. It's not called manly for nothing. Right? <laughs> That's a good one. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Early on May 19th, Alaska State Troopers arrive via helicopter and land near Manly at the boat dock. The only road into Manly has been barricaded by officers, making an escape possible. This was all, you know, of course, coordinated on purpose. As the rain began 
to fall, a crime scene soon becomes visible. The rain was melting away the last bit of snow, revealing spent bullet casings. Fear sets in as the members of Manly have now went from missing to murdered. An aerial search is launched, and right away they discover the Klein's ATV on the side of the trail. Also discovered at the dock is Joe McVeigh's baseball cap. And even more disturbing is the clear sign that a body had been dragged from the dock leading to the river as if being disposed of in the river. That must be horrifying to come across. Just such a small town, this doesn't happen. Uh -uh. Well, it should never happen anyway, but itty bitty middle of nowhere. As they are scanning the horizon for a suspect, they see a woman jumping up and down screaming for help. The woman was out looking for her husband, Fred Burke, who had left two days earlier and failed to return home. He had taken his boat down the river. This means, Jen, yet another person is missing, yet another possible victim of Michael Silka. When I heard this, it just, Alaska is a, it's a whole different ball game up there. And I guess it's pretty common for people to go out for a day or two because they have to go to town. They have to go, they go hunting or things like that. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the wilderness, right? Yeah. Anyway, she flags down the officers. As the officers are in the air searching, they soon see him. Michael is steering a boat with a canoe in tow. Loaded in the boat. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. There were enough firearms for a small army. Clearly, he was prepared for a fight. Michael parks on the land and anchors his boat. Now, he's seeing the chopper. He's preparing himself. Inside the chopper, Trooper Troy Duncan and his good friend Trooper Jeff Hall are making their way to the location. They are able to see Michael on the bank, and they see he is gathering his guns, and he is preparing to fire. The first round strikes the helicopter, so they pull back, pull back, pull back. They check, make sure they're all okay. It did hit the helicopter. It didn't hit one of them, and the helicopter was still fine. So with the helicopter seeming to be okay, Michael goes and takes cover in the trees. Now, this is super dense Alaska woods, and in a helicopter, it's hard to tell where he is and where the shots could be coming from. Clearly, Michael is not willing to give up, but would rather die. This time, they take another hit, but it is not the helicopter. It is Trooper Duncan, who was fatally wounded. They dive back in at this point, knowing that they have to stop him and stop him fast. It's only going to get worse. Trooper Hall uses his M16 machine gun and empties a 20-round clip into Michael Silka, hitting him five times. Now, why this man, Michael did what he did was something that died with him the minute he was shot. With their suspect now dead, troopers need to find the missing members of the community. Hope remains high that people would be found alive, but hope faded. The muddy river would finally reveal the bodies of friends Joe McVeigh and Dale Majeski, Frank Burke, and Lyman Klein. The four men had all been shot in the head. Sadly, pregnant mother Joyce Klein and her young son Marshall, as well as Albert Hagen and Roger Culp, have never been recovered. Investigators believe that this is kind of how it went down. They think that Joe and Dale arrived at the boat launch and chatted up Michael, perhaps angering him, 
Perhaps he was angry from the get-go. That we'll never know. Michael ended up shooting the two men. He then tossed their bodies into the river. In the midst of doing this, this is just so sad, other people arrive and he's in the midst of disposing of these two men's bodies. So other people arrive. Michael felt he had to take care of them as well. Fred Burke arrived to the scene and Michael saw he had a boat and Michael wanted that boat. He wanted that boat to escape. He shot Fred and stole his boat. Questions remain about the Klein family and why Michael killed them. It could be that they stumbled upon him killing others, or it may be as simple as they were passing through and Michael saw them and just killed them for no reason. We'll never know. And like I said earlier, he took those reasons with them. It's a shame. I always hate that. One thing investigators do believe is that they will never know exactly how many people Michael Silka killed. Now, here's a scary little footnote to this case. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, it kind of gave me the little chilies, the little chilies as I was reading it. Two days prior to Michael arriving to Manly, Fred Burke, along with his brother-in-law, that's his wife's brother, mm-hmm. were going to town. And as they're driving to town, they come across a truck that seems to have broken down on the side of the road. Now, this is about 25 miles outside of Manly. So again, in the middle of nowhere. Now, Fred, always one to lend a hand, actually said out loud, hey, you know, we should stop and offer them some help. Well, they started to kind of slow down. His brother-in-law jokingly made a comment and piped up, "Uh, no way, that is how people get killed. So they did slow down. They looked in the truck. As they drove past the truck, they were able to get a good look into the truck. It was a man who the brother-in-law would later identify as Michael Silka along with two passengers, two men were in the truck with them. Now, they both noted that the passengers seemed frightened. They talked about it. They talked about how it seemed weird that they didn't seem comfortable being in the car with the other guy. To this day, no one knows who those people are or what happened to them if they too were victims of Michael's. They could have been hitchhikers or tourists. No one seemed to be reported missing. But then again, if they were hitchhikers and not from that area, no one would no really one know. Would know. They could have been just people on holiday, too. Right. But you would think that they'd be reported missing somehow. Wow. Michael Soka, who I said earlier had been honorably discharged from the military, was buried in the National Cemetery in Alaska, as his dad had requested him to be. Now, his name marker had to be removed due to vandalism. Mm, I bet Trooper Troy Duncan was only the fourth person killed in the line of duty in the state of Alaska. It's a shame. Nine people in that short a time, huh? Well, could be more. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. That we know of. And I wonder what made him snap. I hate not knowing the answers to these kind of things. And why would you kill the husband and the pregnant wife and the little little two-year-old? They're on an ATV going by. I don't understand that unless he thought that he's that they saw him doing what he was doing. But it wasn't it wasn't located right by the boat dock. It was on a trail. I don't know. And why would you kill the little boy? Who knows? So a bastard, obviously. And we'll never know. Um, Mm -mm. Just terrible, terrible stuff. Stupid reason, I'm sure. I mean, it usually is. Always is, Jen. Always is. That's all I got. Day nine is in the books. Tomorrow we go to J9. 
Jen for day 10. 10, 10, 10, 10, All right, Jen, until then, remember, lock your doors. And keep passing by those open windows. Uh, bye-bye. Love ya. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Cam. For more information about this episode, as well as all the sources I used, please check out our show notes or the podcast website at ourtruecrimepodcast.com. Our True Crime Podcast is developed and created by hosts Jen and Cam. Original music and audio mix of all our True Crime Podcast episodes is courtesy of Nico Vertese from We Talk of Dreams. Listener discretion is provided by Edward October from October Pod VHS. Our True Crime Podcast is executive produced by Nico Vertese and Dick Bain. Make sure to like and subscribe to Our True Crime Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. We can be reached on Instagram and Facebook at Our True Crime Podcast or on Twitter at Our True Crime Pod. You can email us at Our True Crime Podcast at gmail.com. If you really like the show, make sure to check out our Patreon at Our True Crime Podcast. Our True Crime Podcast is an OTC production. And the town sits on the Tanea, Tanea, Tanana, 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 Tanana River. <laughs> Hold on, Jen. You know, Manamana. You say Tanana, I say Banana. Tanana. Tanana. How you banana. say it? How you say it? Uh, Pronounce.com. Tanana. Tanana? Tanana. Tanana. Two, you are close. Tanana. 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 Okay, sorry. The town sits on the Tanana. Wait, how you say it again? Tanana. Tanana. The town sits on the Tanana. 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 Sorry. The towns are hard. The town sits on a big river. Just kidding. As they are talking, it becomes clear. I lost my spot. Hold on. Mm. That's an interesting point. It is. Sorry. Okay. Is that by the Tananana? Tananana. Tananana. Ah! Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.